Typically, I've waited till the last, uh, after the sermon to announce what we're going to be doing, but I'm going to let you know now. Uh, Scott Frost is going to be our new associate pastor here, and I uh, can't believe how excited we are about that. Um, but yeah, he'll start next week after we win a game. So, <laughs> Finding buried treasure is in my DNA. Uh, my grandpa used to come visit us in Arizona, and he was convinced that if we could just go out into the desert, that he would find the lost Dutchman mine. So he would always ask me, Mark, can we go out? And we would just hike around, and he would keep his head down, and he was looking for gold in the vast sea. Now, if you've never been to Arizona, and you don't know what a desert is like, let me tell you, let me explain to you what a desert is like. Um, if you have a cat, you have kitty litter. That's what the desert is like. It's like kitty litter. And so my grandpa was looking around in, the, in basically miles of kitty litter for the lost Dutchman mine. I can tell you for certain he never found it. Never found it. And he did not die a rich person. He was hoping he would, but he, he didn't. And I don't know why he thought that would be great, but we, ne- we never did find it. But it's in my DNA. I do a lot of searching like that. And I thought th- this was my ticket. It wasn't the lost Dutchman mine. It was baseball cards. I was going to find one that was going to be worth a lot of money. And so I bought a lot of packs of baseball cards. And I have boxes and boxes and boxes in a closet that are worth almost nothing. <laughs> almost nothing. Why? Because I traded for Chicago Cub players. They're worth nothing. They're not, you know, maybe now you know, a couple of them are worth 25 cents. Basically, I needed a Mickey Mantle. I needed a Willie Mays. I got a guy named Rich Nye. Is it? If you don't know who Rich Nye is, there's a reason. <laughs> he didn't play much. He's my favorite player. There's something about us all that wants to... I didn't know what I was searching for. We're all searching for stuff. I thought it was, right, money and things and stuff... But uh, nope, it's not. There's something in our spiritual life that connects us, right, with, with, our, with our finances. Now, last weekend, we took a look, look at loving our job. I heard from lots of people that love their job. I'm glad you love your job. I hope you do. I think, in fact, I think that every Christian should love their job, no matter what it is, <coughs> no matter the size of the paycheck, If we could love our job, right? Because we spend most of our waking day working. And uh, I need some water or vodka or something. Again, from... Have you opened it? Once again, you guys saved my life. (laughs) If you could be at every service, that'd be great. Didn't say scooters on this one though. <clears throat> Things are tough right now. <laughs> uh, this helps. I was at the Husker game yesterday. I yelled a lot, and so uh, you know, again, um, what do I care? I'm just going to yell, and uh, so uh, my voice is a little shot. There is something though that is connecting us with our spiritual life and our work life and our financial life, and. When we don't typically think that way, but, but when, when John the Baptist was teaching people and, you know, they get baptized and like, 
what do we do now? It's like, that's the best question you should ask. When you get baptized is, what do I do now? Right? Because like, I, I took care of this thing, but what do I do now? Here's what John the Baptist told the people. You should share your money with the poor. You, tax collectors, you should not extort more money out of the people that you are working with. And soldiers, you need to be content with the paycheck you get. That's interesting, right? Is you think that after their baptism, uh, they said, okay, what do we do now, John? That John would say, love your neighbor as you love yourself, or uh, something like that. No, he said, give your money to the poor. Don't take more money than you should, and be content. When Zacchaeus uh, had lunch with Jesus, and he, he gets done with lunch, and he says this to Jesus, Jesus, um, As of today, I'm going to give four times the amount of money that I took from people. I'm going to give that back to them, and I'm going to give half of my money to the poor. I don't think Jesus told him to do that. But for some reason, Zacchaeus says, I think I should give my wealth away. You know what Jesus said? Uh, You don't have to do that. Uh, We're fine. We're cool. No, he said, today salvation has come to this home. Huh? What? What? Oh boy. And so there is this connection here. And as your pastor, I feel deeply about your connection with God and the connection that you have with your wallet. They're connected. So for the next couple of weekends, we're going to take a look at the top 10 verses that I picked out from the Bible on money. And I didn't ask you to, hey, give me your f- top five, because you're like, uh, I don't have any. No. Um, but there, there are, uh, there's lots of passages of Scripture that have to do with money. And so I pick, we're going to deal with five today, five next week, and then we're going to take a look at some major uh, themes that have to do with our finances for four weekends. Right? So here we go, Proverbs 23, verse 4. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. I'm assuming that nobody here has that problem, right? Do you know that we work on an average 499 hours more than the people in France a year? And they're not, they don't seem to be all that happy. You think, oh, sweet, I'm taking some time. Have you been around French people? The only time I've been around French people, people is when uh, I'm going to a restaurant that I cannot pronounce, right? They're grumpy. They're really true. You're thinking, what? I can tell you, nobody in France is listening to this right now. So, what do we get? I don't care. <laughs> Actually, I found out that somebody from Scotland listens to us every week. I met them last Sunday at our Fremont campus because their their son lives here and married a gal and they're living in Fremont. And so they came over from Scotland and was like, dude, I want to come to Scotland. And they said, okay. And I'm like, can I stay with you? Yes. I'm like, all right. So maybe someday somebody in Paris will start watching and, and that'd be great. Now I'm not suggesting, right? So here we go. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. Now do not elbow anybody now right like he's talking to you it's going to take wisdom for you know when to slow it down to take the foot off the throttle here right i'm going to slow it down i I, it's going to take wisdom because if we don't have wisdom we won't slow it down 
In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. I'm not suggesting that we have to work less. If you love what you're doing, that's awesome. But if you do it to just get money, eventually what you're going to find out is just going to stress you out and wear you down. All the money in the world is of no value. Listen to me. All the money in the, in the world is of no value if it implodes your marriage. If it messes up your relationship with your family. All the money, it, it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. Especially, here's what we think. If I can just get a little bit more money, I will be able to buy a place on a lake and then I can go there and relax. Right? We think that. We're like, okay, that's a great idea. Okay, I'm going to... Right? I'm going to work super hard so that someday I will have a lake house and I can relax. And here's what happens. You buy that, but you don't have any time to go there because you're working to pay the thing off. And when you get to your lake house, what do you do? I got to mow that lawn, fix my boat. Meanwhile, it doesn't, you know, you don't have, it's just a vicious, vicious cycle. And the stress of having to pay for it and not having enough time to work for it, right? We're all stressed out. So why should I follow the advice of this guy? Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Why should I follow that advice? He follows it up in the Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. So we tend to think that the more money I have, the happier I will be. And he says, those who love money will never... How, how do I know this? Because some of you are making more money than you ever thought possible. And at the end of the year, you get this big honking bonus. And here's, I guarantee you, this, this never happens. When, you, when your boss says, here's your big honking bonus, you never say to your boss, I don't want it. No, th- thank you. This is, I just love the joy of working, right? Your bo- right? I have never given out a bonus to anybody on my staff when the, and at the end of the year when they say, Mark, this is great, but I don't want that. No, everybody takes it and cashes it. Every single person. I do, you do. We, uh, we never say, hey, next year, um, uh, uh, I know you're budgeting, but I don't need that 10% raise. I don't need it. I'm fine. I'm cool with it. None of us do. We hit that financial uh, goal, that sales you know, thing, and, at, and then what do we do at the end of the year? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And it truly should be our goal as an employee to make our company money. I'm going to make my company money. Make my boss wealthier, right? All that stuff should make sense to us. I want, by the way, I would want, if I owned a small business, the people that I would hire, I want them to make me money. Why would I have them if they're not doing that? You ever walked into a fast food restaurant and it's like, I guarantee you every single person who's working right now could care less about making their boss some money. That is to- By the way, that totally motivated me. In fact, when I was in young, uh, younger, uh, I, I had a paper route. This week I went to Lincoln, yesterday I uh, went to Lincoln and my parents are selling the house that I grew up in. And so they're saying, hey, why don't you come and take some of the stuff that's there? And like, okay, you know, and, and th- there really is of absolutely no value there. Uh, but I uh, took a few things that meant some stuff. And then we're driving around the neighborhood and I go, hey, that house used to tip me so well. I loved putting papers in their house. And in fact, I knew that if I could get their paper into their home before six o'clock in the morning, at the end of the month, they would give me a big check. 
every single time. And I did not throw their paper onto their driveway. I opened up their screen door into their patio and I placed it on their step. Why? Because they were going to give me money. It was easy. It was like, this was the easiest thing I did. And I still remember right there. I'm in that very house. Every single morning, I made sure they get there. There was a motivation for that. And I thought, boy, if, if, if I could just get a bunch of stuff. Because those who love money, right, are happier. No? They won't have enough. The real lesson we learn is that he who dies with the most toys, is a, that's a lie. They don't win. They just die. Here's a guy that is, he's writing these verses, and he's the wealthiest person on the planet. Can you imagine a life where you have more money than you know what to do with? I can. I totally can imagine. I know exactly what I would do with that money. If I had more money than I knew what to do with, I know exactly how I would spend it. I would buy classic cars. I watch Meekum auctions. I don't know if you watch this. I watch it whenever it's on. I don't care if it's live or a rerun. I'm watching that show. And here's what I say to Linda. Oh, I totally buy that one. I told you about that. And she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she knows that he is not living in reality. But I was like, watch. And every single car that comes on the auction block, I go, oh, sweet. Now, the thing that bothers me about that show is I see the same guy buying the same cars. Like, how's that? Who, who is this guy? And how can he be my best friend? I mean, I want, like, this is a crazy. And, and I would buy a um, bunch of cars. I know the first car I'd buy, I'd buy a 1967 Mustang GT390 engine and four-barrel carburetor. I, why, why would I buy that? That was my first car. That was a stupid car for any kid to buy in high school, by the way. I don't know why my parents thought, hey, that's a good idea. Because <laughs> it was thinking fast. And I used to ride that thing a little bit too too much. But it was, it was a great car. I would totally want that car. I'd want a 66 Chevelle Malibu, uh, you know, I'd want a core. I, I totally know the cars I would buy. And I know where I keep them. In a big honking garage in Montana on my ranch. Because I got more money than I know what to do with. And by the way, on that ranch, it would have a place for my helicopter. Because how am I supposed to get to my home in the wintertime in Arizona? right? We totally can play this all out. We know exactly what that looks like. Proverbs 11.4. Riches won't help on the day of judgment, but right living can save you from death. Wow. All the money in the world ain't going to buy me a ticket to heaven. It won't do any good on the day of judgment. You can't get, like, on the day of judgment, you, like, get up in line and go, hey, before you make a decision here, Jesus, uh, I'm going to write you a check. Uh, what do you think this will say? <laughs> yeah, right? We're like, uh, before, before you pronounce judgment, Jesus, I just want you to know I'm going to write you a big check. On the day of judgment, that ain't going to help me. In fact, the the bothersome stuff about on the day of judgment things is that all my stuff is going to be burned up. It ain't going to matter. A hill beating's a difference if I had a boatload of money on that. Money won't buy me that. And we know that money doesn't buy us love, right? It does buy us companionship. (laughs) Right? Right? He's like, if you got money, you got friends, right? 
Because the day you put the boat in the water, people show up. Who are you? I don't know. That's how you put your boat in. You announce to somebody, hey, we've got a condo in Vail. Oh. You guys using it this weekend? I don't know. What's your name? You have friends. The moment you say, hey, we're selling our boat. Oh. Getting another one? Like, right? (laughs) What? The moment we have financial problems or we have to sell that stuff or we're not, right? It it just kind of goes away. And the things that mean most to us in life, we know this. We get this figured out. The things that mean most to us in life can't be bought with money. Can't be bought with money. Mark chapter 8, verse 36 says and what do you profit what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul is anything worth more than your soul not we know the answer to that like he had to ask that but he, but really truly we know the answer to that so and what is the profit if you gain the whole world most of us and, and lose our soul most of us um don't set out to do that it's more subtle right we don't set up hey uh, you know today i'm going to sell my soul to right no we don't do that it's just subtle. So we pick up a few more hours and we work a little bit harder. And, uh, and then we get to Sunday and we go, man, I, I worked a lot this week. And I just, I just want to veg out. And I'm sure Jesus doesn't mind, right? And we, we, we say that stuff. And so after a few weeks of that, it's like we're wiped out. It's like, and then, then we begin to think like this. Um, I'm going um, to go into the office today. It's Sunday. I know, but I'm just going to, there's something. I, I'm, it won't be long. All of a sudden, I, I, I just, I've, I've sold things out for the fact that I think that money's going to buy me stuff that's going to make me happy. And then just a little drifting, and I don't really miss my time with God. And uh, I have never, by the way, I've, I've been around a bunch of folks on their deathbed, and I've never had any of them say to me, Hey, Mark, would you be able to get me a whole bunch of my money and, and just lay it on the bed here? I want to be surrounded by my money. It's actually the complete opposite of that. What they want to do is try to mend some relationships they have with their family. What they want to try to do is bring... In fact, it's, it's, it's really fascinating that they would ask me to be there, but, and, which is amazing. Uh, that, that's one of the privileges of being a pastor, is that you get included in on some of those moments. But they really want their closest family and friends there at that moment. They could care less about their money. They really, really, really could care less about it. Now, that's not the regrets that they oftentimes have. So what's the solution? If money can't buy me happiness, and it's not going to help me on the day of judgment, so we've already established that. It's not going to buy me happiness. It's not going to help me on the day of judgment. What is the answer to a meaningful life? First Timothy chapter 6, Paul writes these to, to a pastor, and he says, to the, here's what I want you to do to the people that are in your church. Teach those people who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust their money, which is unreliable. So teach those who are rich. And so I'm like, oh, cool, I'm not rich. Like, okay. Here's what I usually hate about preachers. Like, well, compared to the rest of the world, like the kids in Ecuador, you guys are wealthy. And that's true. There's no doubt about that. But let's just say compared to the, like the people who live in Omaha, you know, or you know, like... Like, but we can always compare, but we truly probably, most of us are thinking, man, I, I, make, I make more money than I ever thought possible. I'm doing really well, and this is great. But so let, let's just say that we're all kind of included in the deal. Teach those who are rich, 
in this world not to be proud and not to trust their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be, it probably isn't, but it should be in God who richly gives us all we need for what? Our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. So we should carve out some money where we're just putting it there in there so that when we have an opportunity, we don't even have to think about it. We just say, hey, I can help, right? By doing this, they will be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may have experienced true life even right now. Amazing. So tell those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to be arrogant. Money seems to kind of amplify that, right? It's like when we have money, we, we're, we're kind of prideful about that. Um, so so in, a, in about a month is my high school, my, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this, my 40th high school reunion. I know I look a lot younger than that, but because right, when you think like when your parents had their fortieth high school reunion, they were old. You're like, are you bringing the oxygen tank, mom, or what? He's like, you know, like, so I am a, my fortieth this year, and I tweeted out this week that I'm not going to try to lose weight, but uh, to impress anybody, but I am going to rent a really sweet car. Because when I pull up to Lincoln East High School, I'm going to look good and wealthy, right? Because I want to like. Whoa, dude, you're doing great. Yes, I am. <laughs> Not driving my 03 pickup truck with a cassette player in it. <laughs> How do you like me now, is what I'm going to say. Ha! Didn't think you'd amount to nothing. Because <laughs> money makes me feel arrogant, right? It's like, okay, it's like I got, I'm worth something, right? That's what I think. I'm worth something. Yesterday, I went to the Husker game, and I literally sat on the 43-yard line on right behind the Husker bench, 20 rows up. You know what I thought? Bet everybody around me thinks I'm rich. They didn't know that a friend of mine gave me those tickets, but I wasn't going to tell them. I was like, yep, I got it together. These are my season tickets. Me and Scott Frost are friends. By the way, I'm going to keep asking her, hey, got any more tickets? Because there's this sense of, like, if I I live here, drive this, wear that, sit there, I am somebody. I am somebody. Tell those who are rich in this world not to be proud and to trust in their money, which will come flying away, right? We've settled for an unsatisfying life based on the things that we think that money can buy. And when I face the day of judgment, all that I own will be gone, won't do me any good, be destroyed by fire, and it sounds a little depressing. My life and my talents and my money can all be used for good and can help store up stuff in heaven. If you you want to have joy on earth and eternal payoff, discover the secret of giving. He tells that. Tell them to use their money to do good. The purpose of me making money here is to do good and to be generous to those who are in need. I don't know why we protest so much when a pastor talk, starts talking about money. Right? We're like, oh, jeepers. 
Some of you are like me. As soon as this is over, I'm checking out for the next three weekends. I don't know. I'm not coming back. We're all like, oh, he's talking about money. Ah, he's talking about money. And, and truly, probably, there, there's no doubt that, you know, sometimes that gets to be a bit much. And pastors talk a lot about it. And, you know, we're not desperate for money. There's no doubt about that, too. But uh, I, what I want you to be able to do is to discover what Jesus knew. I want you to discover what Jesus knew. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, some of you know that. In fact, you love a message on money. It's like this is this is the most this is the this thing gets you amped up. You're like, yes, yes, get it, all right, go, yeah, yeah, because you've discovered the joy of giving. So I just kind of want you to think through that, right? Like, why why am I kind of tensed up or why am I amped up? All right, let's pray. God, here at this very moment in time in which we um, think through some stuff, I pray that you will give us an open mind, an open heart, and open hands. There's no doubt about it. We think a lot about money. Like, when's the next paycheck? And do I have enough money for this? And can I cover that? Sometimes we're frustrated with this. We don't know exactly what to do. For some of us, our financial situation is out of control and we're scared. Some of us are on the other side of that. I hope that today we might be able to have and connect the dots a little bit with what faith and finances have to do. 